This is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culture and Ford. Bird Culture Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new edition of the BearCast on Sikkim 365 Radio, Sikkim365.com. I'm Craig Smoke, Sikkim 365 Radio host, writer, joined as always by Grayson Grundhafer, director of broadcasting, also team and recruiting reporter for you guests at Sikkim 365. We got Garrett and Jack behind the scenes making things happen and uh, making us sound and look as good as possible. And uh, hopefully you're having a good week. It is a, another week of news, that is for sure. And it is a stretch now where the Baylor athletics calendar is over. I mean, in terms of official teams and whatnot, track and field wrapped up last week in Eugene, Oregon. Men with a top 20 finish, the best they've done in quite some time. Women a little bit more disappointing the way that they closed, but... Overall, a good year for Michael Ford, kind of getting things kick-started, and now it's officially summertime, Grayson, and that means camp season, and you well, you're already getting your fill of camps, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, that, that happened this weekend. Uh, the camps, that started, so we'll have one. Um, it was this past weekend, we'll have one next weekend, which is actually the RG3 camp. Um, which will be a lot of fun. I, I think that'll be pretty cool. And then the next weekend is another camp, and then there won't be another one until July 30th. But the problem is, is that not only are there three straight camp weeks, there's also three straight official visit weeks. So it, it has been a lot, a lot to cover, um, a lot of writing, a lot of conversations. And I mean, I love doing it, so it makes it a lot more fun, but it's also one of those things where it's just, it's a grind. Yeah, and uh, I know what you mean, and wasn't quite out at camps and that, but you go long enough and you just get to a point where you kind of want to pull your hair out sometimes, <laughs> and uh, I was there recently and needed to kind of break, so you're... Uh, right in the thick of it, and uh, glad that you are, but uh, hopefully you will get a little bit of a break before football season. Yeah, definitely. I also think it's it it's also it's a very tough time, but it's also the best time because yeah. it's also where you're getting all this content, you're getting all these conversations that are actually meaningful conversations, um, and then you're just trying to convey those messages as best you can on the message board and just through various articles and things like that. So. I enjoy it, but yeah, like you said, you get to a point sometimes where you're, you're like, okay, wait, where where do I go next? Who do I talk to next? There, there's this list of guys I got to talk to, um, and you know that that's challenging. But we just we just keep battling through, right? Yeah, just keep grinding. Uh, yeah, and get that breath when you can, uh, that little rest when you can. And uh, we have that uh, at some point here in the next couple of months. Like I'm sure there will be little spots here and there where it will slow down. But for the most part, it's been you know 24/7, 365 with news with this athletics department. And uh, that was the case again this past week, as I mentioned, track and field closing up shop. Uh, but really, it was the football side of things that got a lot of the headlines. And if you are not a member of Sikkim 365. I don't really know what you're doing if you're a Baylor fan because uh, that's where you will find all the info you can imagine on this past weekend and that first week of camps, uh, of which there will be more, and official visits, of which there will be more. But uh, having the opportunity to, to bring some guys on officially, Grayson, and when all is said and done, camps and visits, a couple of new commits now for the class of 
what, 2023. And I'm almost having to kind of like remind myself, Jaden Porter, the 2024 commit, right? The, the loan commit in that class. So 2023, the focus at the moment and a couple of new names to add as uh, they now are up to 12 commits for this 2023 class. And we'll get into that to start things off with and then get into a very important member of that 2023 class that I know is causing uh, everybody a lot of stress in, in Baylor Nation, so to speak. But the good news, uh, or at least the, the big positive news coming out of the weekend, was a pair of commits uh, for the 2023 class. And uh, I know that you thought that there could be up to a handful. I mean, there's always thoughts there could be less than expected, but uh, a couple of guys. And uh, let's start off with, you know, and both of them on the lines. Uh, but let's start off on the offensive side of the football and that position that Eric Mateos so brilliantly turned around last year and has really got set up nicely for this upcoming season. Uh, in addition to this class in West Tucker of Argyle, uh, obviously a very successful high school football program. Uh, we talked to him yesterday. Seems like a really interesting kid and uh, really um, kind of unique to talk to. I don't know why he, he seemed unique, but just I guess he's just so open and so free to talk and, and you don't always get that with prospects but uh six four and a half 260 seemed like an intelligent cat obviously comes from a winning program uh your thoughts on argyle offensive lineman west tucker yeah so interesting story on him i showed up at camp on saturday and i'm walking in you know i sit there and i kind of look around to try to find prospects that i know and guys that i know baylor has a lot of interest in and also guys that i just i know are good just based on watching their film um, and I look over at the offensive line and I see Wes Tucker and I'm like, what is going on here? You know, most times guys with offers who are on the verge of making commitment decisions or guys who are commits don't usually show up at these camps. Um, but for Baylor, they had Wes Tucker, a target that they've been on for a long time, a guy who has had an offer for a long time. And then Hawkins Polly, the tight end was also out there running around, running routes and, and making plays. He was already committed. Um, prior to that visit, but it was just weird. I, I didn't know that Wes was going to be there camping uh, at that point, especially because his official visit isn't till this upcoming weekend. So I felt like that whole situation was just kind of out of nowhere. And then, of course, I get to the studio. I'm getting everything set up, and then I start hearing the whispers that he's going to commit. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Okay, so got to get things ready for that. And, you know, it's a really good pickup. And I think it was really fun for me to be able to watch Wes for a little bit and see him in person a little bit more. I've seen him a couple times at camps, but to watch him in person again, get coached by Eric Mateos. And I think that really resonated with him being able to, being able to come to a camp and actually get coached by him and kind of learn about his coaching style. Um, pretty much all but solidified things. He was already pretty solid with Baylor. Baylor seemed like the place he always wanted to be. Um, but getting that coaching, I think was big for him. So yeah, nice pickup. He came in measured, uh, a hair under 6'5". I think it was 6'4.75", 266 pounds um, on his visit. And then, he, you know, he's got offers from Kansas, Colorado State, San Diego State, Tulane, and then Texas Tech. And Texas Tech was kind of the main one that Baylor was battling. His brother Jack goes to Texas Tech, and he was a guy who Matt Rule recruited very heavily uh, in the 2019 class, I believe, for Jack Tucker. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how things played out. His 
Family has a great relationship with the Baylor staff. Already knew a lot about Baylor from when Jack was being recruited. Um, and I, I think everything just pointed to this was a perfect fit for Wes and a very nice pickup for Baylor. They need offensive line help. They got it. I think he pretty much, to me, translates to being a guard or a right tackle at the next level. Um, and I, I think he'll be a pretty nice fit for either of those uh, positions. Yeah, seems like somebody with a good head on his shoulders uh, and – Obviously, as you mentioned, uh, somewhat of a win over Tech, uh, which is nice, you know, with that brotherly connection there. So uh, good to see, uh, you know, him go and carve his own path, and uh, that path will lead him to Waco. And doesn't seem like a guy that you have to worry too much about either in terms of uh, not just like off the field and great, but like he didn't sound like somebody's like, yeah, I'm committed, but, you know, one of those kind of deals that you hear sometimes. He just seemed, yeah, like I knew what I wanted to do, and Eric Mateos is awesome, and yeah, great. So uh, that is uh, commit number 11 of 12, and uh, the second offensive lineman now uh, joining Justin DeLeon as far as the uh, big men up front for Baylor. Uh, how many O-linemen do you think that they're looking for in this class? Because that's two now for them, and obviously they're going to be losing about five or six from next year's team. Yeah, I think they're probably going to be looking at four. Um, I think four is a good number to circle, and the main reason why I say that is because I do think they'll probably want to look into the transfer portal a little bit as well. You don't want to give up all your spots to true freshmen who probably won't be able to play year one. Unless you um, pay them $50,000 right, and, to come and in so and start. I think Baylor will probably take another kind of prospect who they have a great relationship with, if that makes sense, one that they've already built great inroads with, and then maybe try to save a spot for maybe one of the high-end prospects that they're still going after. But I think four is probably a good number to, to kind of look at for now uh, with the transfer portal obviously probably being used in the spring. So, Wes Tucker was one of two commits this weekend. The other commit coming on the defensive side of the football. And uh, Trent Thomas of Fort Ben Marshall out of uh, the Houston area, Missouri City, Mo City. Uh, Trent Thomas, 6'3", 230-plus uh, pounds. Uh, Grayson, what can you tell us about him? What is it, kind of the, the plan here? Is it D-lineman, edge rusher? Like, what's, uh, what's the, the focus here? And I notice a guy that maybe a lot of people are starting to learn maybe a little bit more about in Trent Thomas. Yeah, so he actually is really an interesting one because he came in and measured 6'4 and 3 quarters, 237 pounds. So basically 6'5, 237. So there's more of a frame there. But here's the freaky part, Craig. 84 inch wingspan hmm. that is ridiculous i mean that, that is a very high number that's a plus seven um wingspan that is elite that's basketball type wingspan right there and so he's the guy who has the frame to put on a ton of weight the plan is for him to be a defensive end at baylor he's not going to be a jack um at least not at this point uh, i think they believe they can put the weight on him uh, the hope is he probably arrives at Baylor being, you know, in that 260 range. That That's probably the hope. Um, but he's got a long way to go with his frame. I think he's got a long way to go technique-wise. Um, but as far as measurables and bursts and kind of what you see on film, you see that there is something there that could make this guy really special at the next level. And a lot of schools, I think, agree with that. When you're talking about Boston College, Colorado, Houston, Memphis, SMU, you know, he had a lot of offers that are kind of middle of the road but Baylor was his first big big offer in my eyes and he was a guy who came on this visit with no intention of committing um, but really just fell in love with Baylor and I wanted to read this quote really quick just because I think it really signifies kind of what Baylor is doing on the recruiting side of things and how well they're resonating with recruits so his quote was 
at Baylor, everyone kept saying this was a family, not a team, a family. And that stood out to me. And they're not just about making you a better football player. It's about making you a better man. So that's why I chose Baylor. So uh, not one of those NIL guys, like as far as, you know, uh, what's driving some people today, and that's good to hear. I mean, it's not, you know, bad to dabble with that side either, but I, I like to hear any time that, you know, it's a genuine uh, draw that, that pulls you in and not just, a, you know, a big money figure. Yeah, and I think when you watch his film, you kind of look at it and maybe come away slightly underwhelmed, but you also have to remember this was his first year at Fort Ben Marshall. Um, so he's one of those guys who I'm anticipating has just one of those massive senior years, like, you know, like a TJ Franklin had, if you remember yeah. that, where he hit good junior tape, but then his senior year, he just looked like a man amongst boys. I think Trent is probably going to look like that and really blow up and look even better next season than he did this year. I really like this take. I think he fits what they're trying to build on the defensive line. Yeah, you mentioned uh, some of his offers, probably got about 15 or 20 of them. Uh, and they're all, like you said, kind of those non-power five-ish sort of leans. But, I mean, when you look, and, and then a bunch of power fives too. I mean, uh, Houston, not quite just yet, but will be. Colorado obviously is, Boston College is. Um, but then, you know, you get into the, like the UTSAs and uh, UNT and uh, SMU and some of those schools, and hey, man, those those cats know what they're doing in recruiting. So you know, I, when I see a UTSA offer, I kind of double check it a little bit these days because they obviously know what they're doing talent wise. And there's other schools that take cues from them as well. So um, I think that says something. But I mean, yeah, he's got like 15, 20 offers, so he's doing pretty okay. But uh, certainly, you could argue Baylor's the biggest one, and and uh, that's a good get for them, especially a guy who's a little bit raw still. Uh, you know, getting the hands of clay molders like uh you know this staff with Dave Aranda and Ron Roberts that'll be fun to to kind of see that size and how they develop that yeah definitely and I, I think you mentioned those offers he has a bunch of offers and it's all from those schools that evaluate talent really well yeah um and I think that's a big part of it for sure it's like those schools that offer you and it's right before you get all the big offers mm -hmm. and so that's kind of where he he was at at this point in his recruitment and I think that's why he thought he was going to take his time but he committed. He changed his profile picture. He's really locked into Baylor right now. And uh, coming off of his official visit, you kind of expect nothing less. He really loved his time in Waco. So two new commits on this first weekend of official visits and camps. Trent Thomas, Fort Ben Marshall, Edge, uh, defensive end type prospect. And then you've got uh, Wes Tucker, offensive lineman out of Argyle. And, uh, man, uh, great to talk to Wes Tucker the other day. Uh, I guess that was yesterday, actually. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk to Trent at some point as well. But uh, great coverage there, Grayson, on that. And uh, this is just the beginning. You know, not in, I mean, in terms of commits somewhat, but also just, you know, camps and things like that. But before we get into next weekend, you wanted to focus in on the, the not so maybe positive, but not necessarily totally negative, but certainly the most talked about story, I think, in Baylor recruiting right now. And that is the quarterback position. And... Austin Novosad and the fact that he was uh, official visitor for Ohio State. I, I know that the last time I was on here a couple weeks ago before I took a break uh, last week, we, had, we talked about it a little bit and just, you know, the thoughts of him going and visiting the Buckeyes and how big of a deal that is. So uh, I know you wanted to, to talk about this because everybody's talking about this. Big news with two commits, but 
what's the latest and what's the feel on, you know, the big crown jewel of this 2023 class, which is the quarterback position, especially now that that said quarterback's getting offers from the likes of Ohio State and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State, and then, of course, he got Stanford, what, a yes. month ago, and too. And I asked so. you about and, and that was one that I think I asked you about a while ago, just is he one of those kids where, like a, uh, not a Jordan Winston, uh, um, Connor Weddington, mm-hmm. where Stanford, like, that's a that's a game changer because of the education piece, yeah. and you didn't think so. No, he went and visited, but not an official visit. He just went and kind of looked out there. I, it, I don't think it's the best, it's a good fit for him personally and mm-hmm. based on everything I've heard. And so, um, I mean, this is pretty much it. He has not said he's taking any other official visits. I think this Ohio state offer, it didn't take him by surprise. I've mentioned Ohio state was talking to him for a long time. Them Stanford and Texas A&M were kind of the three schools that would not have shocked me at all if they offered. And two of the three did, um, Texas A&M still hasn't, they probably will extremely late, um, which will, is too late by now, but for Ohio State's purposes. So they get him on a visit. He goes to camp. He gets the offer. He comes back, and and he makes a return trip for an official visit. And I I think the big thing that they're really selling Austin on is Ryan Day, the the head coach, and Corey Dennis, the quarterback coach, just talking about development of the position and what they've done at Ohio State. When you talk about guys like JT Barrett, Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud, there's a long history of guys that have been very productive in Ryan Day's offense. And so I think they're really trying to sell that point home that like, if you become the starting quarterback at Ohio state, you're going to get to the NFL. And for the most part, that has been true. And, and it seems true now how much success they have at the NFL level is a completely different conversation. But for this conversation, it's about getting them to the NFL. And I think that's been a huge selling point for them. And I totally understand that. And, you know, they're selling this dynamic offense. You have the ability to come in and throw for 50 touchdowns and all these things. I mean, Dwayne Haskins threw for 50 touchdowns. I mean, uh, it's JT Barrett threw for a billion touchdowns like 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, so they have that going for them. And I think that's the main selling point. And I get it. You know, the head coach being the quarterback coach is something that that can be very appealing. Um, I also look at their depth chart, though, and I go, okay, so when is this going to come about? Exactly. You know, because you look at it, Kyle McCord, high four-star prospect, he's just a redshirt freshman. You got Devin Brown, who's a true freshman, who is actually Austin's host on the visit as well. And you can tell me that, okay, CJ leaves after this year, which he will. He's going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick for sure. But then those two guys, I mean, if either one wins the job next year with, you know, Austin there, I mean, you're going to be sitting for probably two years, and then you got to beat out the other guy and whoever they brought in recruiting-wise. You know, and they have Dylan Riola, the number one overall prospect in the 2024 class, committed. So it's just there's a lot of uncertainty there, and as we know at Ohio State, they cycle through backup quarterbacks like no other. Those guys go and transfer left and right. argument that their backups are, like there's an argument of like who's better, the backups that have moved on, because you're talking about like the Joe Joe Burrows. I mean, he headlines it, and that's why you think that. But, you know, like there's Jack Miller, and there's like, there's a ton of those guys that have transferred elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, there's there's two sides to that coin, but, but yeah, as much as they're, producing they're also producing transfers right yeah. they are and and at any place you go you're gonna have to earn the job like right. for sure but if you look at Baylor's it's just much cleaner I mean you got Blake Shapin ahead of you but Blake Shapin's gonna be a redshirt junior by the time 
Austin gets to Baylor. And who knows? I mean, if Shapin has a great year this year and they won a Big 12 championship and then he comes back next year and does equally as well, I know his size isn't ideal for the NFL, but, I mean, if you're winning and you're productive, I mean, and you're a redshirt junior at that point, you're probably going the NFL. Like, I, I don't know that you're going to stay much longer than that. Maybe, but either way, you kind of know if you're Austin that there's a clear path to playing time after Blake Shapin because no one else on the roster is proven at all. And the only other person that's going to be on the roster is Kyron Drones at mm-hmm. this point who hasn't proved anything. So, and who's probably at a point where like this year will be an indicator on what he does ultimately, potentially yeah, based potentially. on like him looking at the hourglass and going, okay, my eligibility and how much time I have left and all that. I mean, not, not suggesting anything, but I mean, that will be natural. He'll have been on campus for like three years and barely have played most right. likely. So he's got to have to start thinking about, okay, what do I do? What's realistic? So yeah, I mean, whether he stays or does not, Austin Novosad's in line to see playing time far quicker um, and easier than than Ohio State, for sure. Right, and so, okay, let's look at some of the, the other factor that I kind of wanted to dive into really quick. Ohio State has nine quarterback offers out. Nine of them, okay? Baylor has three, and they haven't offered anyone since they offered Austin Novosad, but Ohio State, on that end, they're still in it for four-star quarterback Dylan Lonergan out of Georgia and four-star quarter, quarterback Brock Glenn out of Tennessee. Neither of those guys are committing anywhere. I know for Dylan, it seems like South Carolina has the momentum. He's got an official visit scheduled to Stanford. Um, might take one to Ohio State, too. We'll see on that. Brock Glenn, on the other hand, he has an official visit this weekend to Ohio State. And this is probably Ohio State's biggest weekend as far as bringing in a massive amount of recruits. Because on Austin's visit, there were only four other guys that were getting recruited that were on that trip with him. Um, and so Brock Glenn will be there with a big group of guys. He's taking visits to Auburn and Florida State. No offense to those schools, but I, I don't see the trajectory there. They're, neither of those schools are really trending in a great direction compared to Ohio State. Um, you said it was Auburn and who? In Florida State. I mean, uh, Yeah, I mean, both of those have coaches that you could argue are on hot seats already. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's kind of where it's like, are, is he really going to go to those schools over Ohio State? No, no, I wouldn't. Yeah, and he got offered seven days ago by Ohio State. So he was actually offered after Austin was offered, which Mm. I find very interesting, a a very intriguing part of this entire situation. And I know I've read some things that are talking about how Austin is going to wait two and a half weeks before making a decision. Um, You know, he's got the Elite 11 at the end of the month. So I think everyone's circling that date as he's going to be done with his recruitment by the time he goes to the Elite 11. I personally don't think it's going to take that long. I think we will know Sunday whether this is going to be him sticking to Baylor or him looking at other options, Ohio State obviously being the main option. And the reason I say that is because he's been to Baylor so many times. He's got a great relationship with Baylor. For me and everything I've heard, everything I've seen, this official visit is going to determine what happens with Austin Novosad. And if he comes to Baylor gets all the answers that he needs and has that same feeling and culture fit that he's always had at Baylor, I think it's going to be really hard for him to decide to jump ship and go somewhere else, especially when you look at all the resources that Baylor's put into him, not taking a 2022 quarterback, um, not offering other quarterbacks. There are no backup plans at Baylor. There are many backup plans for Ohio State. Baylor has gone completely all in on Austin. He knows he's the priority not just a priority, 
the priority for this class. And uh, that's why it's such a big visit. And Baylor's got to find a way to seal the deal. And personally, I think they will. I, I think I think he's going to end up signing with Baylor. And that would be huge for them to go the Elite 11 and represent Baylor the way that we all know he will as potentially a top five quarterback in the entire class. So that'll be this weekend? This weekend, he's got his official visit. And I just, I'm, everything I've seen and everything kind of trending that, I, that I've heard and, and through conversations, I, I just can't imagine that he leaves this visit without knowing what he's going to do. I, I just, I would be pretty stunned by that because I think if he doesn't know what he's going to do, then that's probably not a good sign for Baylor. Yeah, I wouldn't think so uh, with all the time they've invested at this point and all of the focus. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear to me when you know what they've done in terms of narrowing in on him and you mentioned Ohio State's got like, more than a handful of quarterback offers out. And quite frankly, I mean, let's be realistic about it. I know they're probably saying something different, but if they don't get him, they'll be fine. They'll move on and not even sweat it one single bit. If Baylor doesn't get him, it'll be full panic. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think if you're Austin Nova said, I understand the allure of Ohio State and, and all of that, but, I mean, just looking at their quarterback rooms recently and as much as there's been out as going in and just kind of who they are um, – He's just he's just the next highest ranked guy for he's just that next guy in line to to get and he's not necessarily the focus or the goal. Where at Baylor he is the focus, he is the goal, he is the guy. Uh, so you know we'll see how much that plays into it. You think that would play in quite a bit because clearly there's there's more emphasis from one team than there is the other. He's just he's he's a, he's a need for them just in terms of numbers. Yeah. He's like the guy that Baylor wants. Right. That makes and, sense. Yeah. Right. And, and I guess my whole reasoning by this official visit thing is like, what are you going to learn in two weeks after the visit? Like you already took the official visits. You learned everything about both schools. You got to see everything at both schools. Like I, I just can't imagine it drags out for a long time. I know I've read some stuff about that and seen reports on that, but I, I truly think he'll make up his mind after this weekend and we'll know. And, and honestly, everyone needs to know what's you know everyone needs to know what's going on there because um ohio state's got to figure out what they're going to do maybe they take a commitment from brock lynn this weekend yeah Shoot, if, if they know that austin's not on the table they might just take a commitment from that guy um so that's interesting and from the baylor side of things they need to know because they, they got to figure out the quarterback position because they already skipped on 2022 they can't miss again in 2023 yeah, um, that will make uh, for some problems if they do. I mean, certainly you could find a quarterback out there in the high school ranks, but it would be really hard to do. You would almost need like a late bloomer that nobody knows exists except for like SFA or something. Because there's not one in Texas. Yeah, there's it's, not there's not anybody in Texas. And um, yeah, you're just at a point now where the recruiting cycle's halfway over already, so it's a little late to be jumping in on a quarterback um, you know, based on who's available and, and who's already got, you know, teams speaking for him. So, yeah, it's it's a predicament. And Austin Nova said, a young man who's got uh, the whole university football program at various places kind of, uh, you know, in their, in their nerves right now, well, especially in Waco, because uh, as we've established, they are all in on Austin Nova said. So uh, official visit to Baylor this weekend, and we will see if, Maybe that's what shuts it down and smooths everything over and makes it all official, or if that just leads to us having a, you know another conversation like this one 
uh, next week, uh, which would be problematic, uh, to say the least. So, uh, we'll see, but that's obviously a big storyline to follow heading into this weekend. So, had the first weekend of official visits and camps, got a couple of commits, uh, you know, got a little bit of clarity, at least coming with Austin Novosad this weekend. Uh, but let's also take a look back and kind of forward as far as those official visits, Grayson. I mean, we, we touched on the couple of commits. Anything to follow up on there before we look ahead to uh, – to here in a few days. Yeah, so I guess, so we're going to talk about last weekend's officials first. You want to start there? Yeah, I think we should look back before we look okay. ahead, yeah. So Baylor got one commit technically on the official visit, and then the West Tucker commit after a camp he'll be visiting this upcoming weekend. So a pretty nice land, I would say, you know, getting Trent Thomas to commit after the first official visit weekend. I projected, I, I thought that no less than five commits by the end of June is kind of the number that I circled, and they are well on pace for that after getting two um, after that first weekend. I also will say I think Baylor's in great a great shape for a few of these guys that took their official visit, uh, specifically DK Kalu, the nose tackle out of Ridgepoint, and Clear Falls outside linebacker Corey Kelly. Those are the two guys that I'm kind of circling and going, man, I, I think Baylor's been in the lead for so long and they just have such a great relationship with the Baylor staff, and they've been to Baylor so many times. I just would find it hard to believe that either of those guys end up elsewhere. Um, you know, when they make a decision, that's to be determined. But right now, I feel good about saying that I think those two fit everything Baylor needs. And, and I think that um, if I had to put a prediction in, I, I would project that they both end up at Baylor. Now, as far as other guys on that visit, Matthew Fobbs White, he's going to take his time. He's at a Neville. Um, Louisiana, uh, same high school as Anichi Sledge was at uh, last year, covered his recruitment a lot. Um, Fobbs, Where did he end up? Auburn? Auburn, yeah. yeah. Fobbs White's going to take some time here. Right now, Baylor's his biggest offer. Right now, Baylor's his clear leader, but he wants to wait till the season. Um, my hunch is he's waiting on potentially some bigger offers. I know LSU is kind of circled the wagons a little bit that's um, one where when anytime there's uh we saw this with justin harris yep. and anytime there's a louisiana kid that hadn't been offered by lsu at this point but they're getting a little bit of momentum they're typically gonna see if lsu's gonna offer for sure yeah and you gotta take that into account yeah so he's one i'm interested in uh sean Tompkins took the visit out of newton georgia he's actually currently on his official visit at kentucky as well he went back to back and then i think he's got florida as well coming up um, I think he'd be a great land uh, for Baylor. Great size, massive human being, and a guy who'd come in and be a great right tackle, I think, for Baylor um, pretty quickly. I think he'd find his way on the field probably faster than most of the guys that they're recruiting. Um, made up some good ground on Tyler Johnson, another offensive lineman. Um, I can't say that name. Craig, you want to help me? Nach Nachitoches Central? Uh, that's Nakanich. Nakanich. Okay, Nakanich Central. Um, Isn't is that right, Garrett? Nakanish. Nakanish. Okay. Go. So Tyler, big prospect, long lean. He's going to take a visit to Texas Tech as well, but Baylor uh, made up some ground there. I think they're in a pretty good position, but again, they only have probably two spots left for the offensive line. So guys are going to have to make decisions quickly. And then finally, I had to talk about Jalen Braxton. This has been a talking point for a while. The Frisco Lone Star cornerback. I talked to him Immediately after his visit, I haven't gotten an article up on him quite yet. Been talking about Austin Novosad for the last couple of days, but um, I'll have something up on him. But right now, 
It's tough. I actually don't think that Baylor is the leader now for him, which is tough. When you come off an official visit, you expect to be the leader, but I just, I don't know if it's going to work out that way. I know he's going to take a visit to Miami coming up soon and unofficial. He's going to take an official visit this weekend to Arkansas, uh, official visit to Cal the next weekend, and then uh, probably a season visit to LSU. And so that's kind of where he's at right now. Um, and it just seems like it's Baylor versus Michigan State, but it also seems like for some reason, whatever happened on his Michigan State visit just seems to be, it just seems like that's where his head's at. That's where his best relationships are. And to me, it's always hard to beat the best relationships. Yeah, I mean, Mel Tucker's done a good job there. Yeah. Um, they're know, recruiting Texas hard. Yeah, they. Yeah. Uh, we haven't really heard a lot about Michigan State and Texas, uh, and if there really has been a lot of play, just being a guy who does the Earl Campbell Award, I you know obviously pay a lot of attention to the offensive skill guys, and there hasn't been a lot of play up there. I think they had like a receiver that was average. Yeah. Um, they got Chance Rucker in this class out of Denton Ryan. So yeah. It's starting. They're starting to pick up, though. It seems like we're in a cycle now where with Mel Tucker at the helm, they're going to start hitting recruiting in Texas, especially offensively, too, um, pretty hard. So, yeah. That's a tough sell. That <laughs> East uh, Lansing, Michigan, Yeah, Michigan. I mean, that wouldn't be one of my first handful of choices. But, you know, like you said, the relationship piece yeah. of it, and um, that obviously is, is important in their team that's got a little bit of – Little Bill, something to him right now. Right. So, I mean, Baylor's still in it for Braxton, but right now my prediction, which I have been for Baylor, uh, might be flipping to Michigan State soon. It just it seems like he's still stuck on that, even though he loves Baylor, has been to Baylor a ton. I just don't know if Baylor has solidified things enough to feel like they're in the lead at this point. Well, keep it going, and uh, obviously – there's the transfer portal these days, so you never know when you might reconnect. True. So keep, you know, recruiting him hard, and maybe he goes up to Michigan or East Lansing eventually, and, and you're right about that, and then decides, wow, why am I in Michigan? <laughs> it's too cold here. I want to go back home, and, you know, he's back. But that's almost something you got to take into account these days, really, is you don't get a guy the first time, but you might get him that second or, right. or third time. But, yeah, that's not obviously the best news. Um, because I know that there's been a lot of people that, uh, you know, have been wondering about him or excited about him. And so, um, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad this week, I'd say, as far as coming out of this first weekend. So what coming up this week, you've got the RG three camp and more official visits. Yeah. And a lot of commits at this official visit date specifically um austin novasad will be there like we've talked about west tucker who just committed will also be there um i I think that you know obviously i'm not going to go through all the names but i I think that we should hit on a couple here isaiah robinson the offensive lineman out of arlington lamar um four-star prospect has offers from many many schools and is a guy that baylor's really started to grow on him a little bit. Eric Mateos, great relationship there. They've always had one, but I I think getting him on campus, he's just a very intelligent kid. Very intelligent. Um, Is big into theater, big into the musical arts, and is a guy who I just think would actually, you know, really fit in well at Baylor. Um, He's just kind of one of those guys that seems like he would be a great fit um, in Waco. And so we'll see what happens. I anticipate this visit going really well. He was at Cal last weekend. Um, But I really think that this is an opportunity for Baylor to potentially land a four-star offensive lineman. 
Um, and we'll see. We'll see. They've made up a lot of ground with him because a few months ago, I don't think they were really in it for him. And now they've gotten to a point where I, I do think they have an opportunity there. Um, like I mentioned, quite a few commits. Hawkins, Polly, uh, the tight end out of Stratford. He, was, he camped here this weekend. He'll be on the official visit. Um, and then I think another one that we should maybe mention is the fact that they're going to be trying to hit defensive line hard. Um, on this trip as well. LaGrange defense lineman Jaron Woods and Colleen Ellison defense lineman Brendan Bett. Um, both of those guys would fit in perfectly with what Baylor's trying to build up front. You know, you're, they're long and tall, 6'4", 6'5", type prospects. Already both are pretty thick as well. Um, and I just think the Baylor needs to figure out ways to land defensive linemen, especially thicker ones. You know, Trent is going to grow into that, but they need some guys who are already at that 260 mark to mm -hmm. come in and really uh, fill a need because Gabe Hall, TJ Franklin, like those two guys, when they showed up at Baylor, they were already 270, 280. You need guys that are already filled out that you don't have to worry about if you're going to be able to put the weight on them or not. Yeah, and, and it's already slim pickings as far as elite D linemen go. Yeah. And, you know, I think we're going to see more of an emphasis from OU in Texas now, especially on yeah. getting the big old, you know, and they and Texas especially already does really well D line recruiting. But, I mean, I think there's going to be even that more of an emphasis if, if that's even possible. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's tough to find those guys, but they're going to have to, you know, find a way to find those and guys. You got to win battles. Yeah. Gonna, yeah. I mean, yeah. you're going to have to just out recruit people. I mean, ultimately, you can go and win games too, but eventually you got to just out recruit people. At, yeah. cer at certain stages. So this is a big D-line weekend. Last weekend I mentioned the DK Kalu piece as a defensive line prospect, and now you get two more on this trip. And like I said, Baylor's got to build that position. I think they're definitely going to take four defensive linemen. They might even take five. Uh, it's going to be a very defensive line heavy class, um, and there's not that many guys that they're really, really high on. So they got to be efficient and land the guys that they've built great relationships with throughout the course of uh, their, their recruitments. So that's coming up this weekend, another round of visits, the RG3 camp, and, um, you know, obviously Austin Novosad is going to be a big headliner, so there's a lot going on in terms of, uh, of stuff this weekend. And uh, stay tuned to Sikkim365.com and uh, YouTube and all that good stuff to get all the latest on uh, what's going on with the, this Baylor uh, recruiting piece, and uh, that's not just for the football side. I mean, one more note before we get into the mailbag. Uh, Jacoby Walter, a uh, big five-star uh, basketball star out of the 2023 class, uh, making his official visit, uh, on his official visit uh, to Baylor as we speak, and uh, certainly one of the best players that you will find in, in this 2023 class, a top 20 guy uh, based on you know various rankings and whatnot, but uh, Five-star Jacoby Walter, this is it's a big one potentially for Scott Drew and company. Yeah, 6'6", 185 pounds. This is the kind of guy that I just think fits so well with what Baylor's trying to do. I mean, his ability to shoot the ball, uh, he shoots 40% from three. He's an absolute just bucket. I mean, 24.7 points per game at McKinney. Um and he shot 53% from the floor, so he's an efficient bucket. And then on Trey Young's team, 28.3 points per game on the uh, EYBL circuit. So, I mean, he is a he's a very good scorer. He finds ways to score, and he's an elite spot-up shooter. And, and I think those things um, fit in really well with what Baylor's trying to do. But the difference is he's also 6'6". You know, Baylor hasn't had a lot of these, like, guard types who are that size recently. You, you know, you're talking about Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, Macy Oteague. 
uh, LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, all those guys are like, you know, 6'2 or under. You're talking about a 6'6 guy who can absolutely hit from anywhere on the floor. And um, I think for him, it's going to be all about developing everything else in his game. You know, when he can get that one dribble uh, mid-range shoot, when he can get to the rim even more efficiently, he'll turn into an absolute juggernaut on the offensive end. But great prospect. Uh, In my eyes, he's more like a top 10 prospect than a top 20 prospect like he's currently ranked. Um, I think he's a special player and one that Baylor's got a great chance at landing. He's already taken official visits to Alabama, Texas, and Auburn. Um, This Baylor one was his fourth one, so he only has one more remaining. Um, And I'm not sure if he's going to take it at all. I I don't know if he'll take another one. I think that's pretty much his top four. And I think Baylor's in great shape to land him. Um, And hopefully they land him after this official visit to add him with Miro Little in that 2023 class. Yeah, that'd be big time. That'd be a nice little haul there uh, for for the Bears. And uh, right now, I mean, there's a lot of basketball content as well. Not only updates on Jacoby Walters' visit, but I know uh, Ashley sat down with Jalen Bridges. And uh, there's a lot of other pieces that you can check out uh, basketball-wise. So basketball and football recruiting really a big focus right now. Uh, spring semester's over. Uh, athletically, the classes had already been let out a couple weeks ago, but now, you know, track and field wrapping up, uh, although they'll have technically for individuals like the U.S. stuff to do, but but college-wise, done. And now, really, all the attention college athletics-wise are those alive still in the College World Series. And, uh, you know, obviously the SEC very well represented, Big 12 with a couple of teams, although they're departing teams, so can't really root for them, quite frankly. Um, But uh, Baylor's baseball search continues, and nothing really to update there. I know there's a lot of scuttlebutt on the board about that, uh, but nothing really new to announce at this point, although you have to think that with the tournament winding down, their decision is, is drawing closer as well. Not that it will necessarily be somebody who's coaching right now, but just two plus two equals four. Uh, the season's winding down. They need to hire somebody. They can't wait too much longer. So uh, definitely keep an eye and on that. they keep losing transfers. Yeah, and they keep losing players. That, you know, the longer they drag it out, the, lo- the more players they're going to lose. So already have, uh, have lost some guys, and uh, we'll, we'll see what the next, next hire does. But uh, that is still TBD. All right, uh, to the mailbag. And let's go to Alpha Needle of the new Big 12 schools coming in 2023. Which school will be the first to win a Big 12 title in football? Um, I mean, Cincy would be the favorite on paper right now, but I don't know. I think, like, I think I might go UH on this. I think I might go Houston. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to go with uh, Cincinnati, and the reason I am is because they have the best coach of the Fair. bunch. Yeah. That, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't trust Dana Holgerson to win a Big <laughs> 12 championship, and I, I like Kalani Sataki. He, I think BYU might be second for me. Um but honestly, I don't think any of these schools are winning the Big 12 anytime soon. I think they're yeah. going to be in for a little bit of an adjustment when they get to this conference where every week is a grind and you're not getting to have breaks playing really bad teams consistently outside of, you know, obviously Kansas. But Yeah, if you put uh, Luke Fickle in Houston, that'd, that'd be kind of scary yeah. um, with that recruiting 
you know, bed that he would have there. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. Holgerson probably gets in the way too much. But Houston's going to win some games. They're going to be competitive, and I think they're going to be a dangerous team uh, at times. And, you know, Cincinnati, as long as Fickle's there, you feel good. Same with Sataki and BYU. But UCF, I mean, even with Malzahn, they are a little bit of a question mark. They don't have a whole lot of juice, so to speak, right now. So they would easily be my my number four of this group. Yeah, they, they would be for me too. But I will tell you, their highs are very, very high. Oh, I like know. When they yeah. hit on their class, because we know about Florida talent, if you hit on a class and you develop that class, I mean, their ceiling is might be even higher than any of these other three if they get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, is right now, they just, like you said, the momentum's kind of stalled. If you took different body parts from QBs of the modern Baylor era, which parts would you take from specific Baylor quarterbacks to build the best overall quarterback? So uh, we'll just go through this real quick. Whose arm are you taking? Yeah, RG3. Yeah, I'm taking RG3. Uh, I'm taking RG3's legs and speed as well. I'm not. I'm You're not? not? No, 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 no. I'm taking Bryce Petty. No, oh, okay, no. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was, he was no. quick. I'm taking uh, RG3 for legs and eyes, you know. And eyes, yeah. Uh, core, Ooh. a.k.a. durability. I think it'd have to be Archie Thregan, honestly, because, well, I mean. He missed a whole year. He did, but everybody else missed some time, too. Yeah, oh, my gosh. This is a tough one because everyone's been hurt. Exactly. Um, <laughs> That's the Baylor quarterback curse. I'm, I, you know what? I think I'm going to go with Petty because Petty only missed, like, a game or two here and there, and it usually wasn't big games. Like, transverse process, yeah. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with him for core. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, it's definitely not Seth Russell uh, or you know, I think RG3, that, that one big injury, of course. But, yeah, I mean, as far as durable, Petty probably was the most durable. And, you know, I'm sure we're leaving out, like, Nick Florence or whatever. But yeah, but he only played one full year. Yeah, That's yeah. It's just hard to compare. Um, Brain, who are you going with? Brain? Brain oh, and man. heart. Hart is going to be Nick Florence for me. Okay. That guy left it all on the field. It was only for a year, but even coming in for that tech game when RG3 got hurt, mm-hmm. I mean, the dude just took so many hits and just stayed out there. Brain. Oh, my gosh. Brain is tough because their all, offense was yeah. never super complex. Um, They're all pretty smart guys, too. Yeah. I'm going to go with, I guess I'll just go with Petty. Okay, so Petty won two Big 12 championships. Yeah, we're going with RG3's arm, speed, and vision. Um, Bryce Petty's durability. Who do we say as far as brain goes? Petty for brain. Petty's brain. So Petty's brain and durability. RG3's everything else. And Nick Florence's heart. Heart, Yeah, Yeah, okay. That's a good quarterback. That is a pretty good quarterback. (laughs) So there you go. Uh, Alpha Needle. Hopefully that helps. Yeah, RG3's athletic talents and then the. Other attributes of Petty and Florence, and uh, yeah, I think that would turn out to be a pretty good little mutant that you could create there if that was possible. Sad we couldn't fit Charlie in there, but yeah, um, I almost forget. I mean, honestly, I almost forget that he was on the team, even though he was a, a player for a long time. Uh, especially, you know, he played just as much as these guys, if not more. And um, yeah, it's just kind of if you take away his 2020 season, he'd be second on my list for heart. Sure. You take away that season. Yeah. But. Yeah. And hope he's doing well, whatever yeah. he's doing right now. But, uh, yeah, you don't really think of him. He doesn't pop into mind the same way those guys uh, do. Scotty B, the Baylor King, who would be your top five teams in the Big 12 for football going into the season? Baylor, Oklahoma State are my top two. I think they're going to be – I think it's going to be a rematch as of right now. Uh, Oklahoma, Texas, 
And then the fourth one is just kind of a, a tough one. It's kind of all up in the air for me. I, I think I'll go with Kansas State, though, at five. Yeah, I'll go uh, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Texas. And then, I, I mean, really, you could make an argument for pretty much every other team, except uh, Kansas, probably. Yeah. Um, and Tech. But K-State is intriguing, yeah. Um, I, think I think Martinez fits them really well. I so. do, too, and I think that they are better than their records maybe indicated, like, by a game or so. Well, and all they do is win seven or eight games every year. Yeah. They do it every year. So, so. I think I'm going to go K-State for this year with Deuce Vaughn back and just another year with Kleiman. I think that, you know, Martinez gives them a little bit of a an electricity, although he will throw some of the worst interceptions. Like, he'll make some of the most boneheaded decisions you've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> But if he can clean that up, he's actually pretty good. So I, I do think he's going to give them a jolt and at least, an, at least a second weapon to worry about versus just Deuce Vaughn being the focus for everybody. So, yeah, that's that would be my top five. Um, Same top five. Yeah. Nice. I just, you know, that fifth spot you can kind of go by. I think, yeah, K-State just makes a lot of sense. Uh, which Big 12 football team who made a bowl game last year won't make one this year, if you had to guess? Texas Tech. You think so? I just, and I hate doing this because everyone's going to say, oh, you're just, you're against Joey McGuire. But guys, it's so hard to go to a place and win immediately, especially because they're trying to build this offense that they just simply have not had over the last few years. I just don't think the talent's there. I don't think the recruiting was there for Tech. Um, during Matt Wells' time, and I just think they're a little bit behind, and I think it will hurt them, and it will show up. Their depth will show up at times this year, so I don't think they're going to make a bowl. I, I do think when the offensive piece, they're, they're not going to try to be just like Western Kentucky, so I don't think you have to worry about them building it that way because when we talked to McGuire this last time, he basically said, like, they're just going to run what they have. Like, if they have the ability to run that offense, they'll run that. But if they have to switch it up, like, they're just going to play to their personnel. So, you know, you, however you, you feel about their personnel, um, that's what, what they could potentially max out. But, yeah, I can understand not, not believing they'll make a bowl game. Um, I think that would be disappointing, even though it's year one, just because you were able to do it last year. But I get your reasonings why so i mean who's the other candidate that's the other hard maybe iowa state yeah i mean i don't know who i, I don't think really see too many like baylor's definitely not going to miss a bowl game i mean that would be shocking uh same for pretty much everybody else Texas made one didn't so make a bowl game, so no they, they didn't make eligible one. for this question uh west virginia did but um they made a bowl yeah, didn't they at the very end? I believe they yeah they got into the bowl. It finished like seven and six or whatever it was. Um, TCU so, didn't make a bowl. TC yeah, TCU didn't yeah. make a bowl game. So kind of slim pickings. Um, let me look back at something actually. Oh, I wish that was easier to look up. Never mind. But West Virginia, I do know that they are excited about uh, this upcoming year. Even though some of it has been, uh, I think a little bit of just having fun online, so to speak. And that brings us to uh, Scotty's follow-up. Anyways, West Virginia fans are definitely trolling on a 10-win season because a few have said 11-win season are undefeated now, as well as other comments like away team players don't have as much motivation to win when compared to the home team. Once I saw that, I refused to respond to them. So, yeah, West Virginia fans have been out there kind of cocky ever since the JT Daniels pickup. Um, Scotty which, B needs to quit he needs reading to, about West Virginia. Yeah. But, Scotty, you keep bringing up West Virginia, man. You need to just turn off all yeah. West Virginia content because it doesn't seem like it. it's doing good things. And I just don't 
Uh, they're not winning 11 games. Everyone knows this. Yeah, I do think no. JT Daniels helps them. And and I think they're, they were actually the team that I was debating with K-State to be number five on my list. So I, I think they'll make a bowl. I think they'll be solid, but they're not going to be a 10 or 11 win team. Don't worry about them trolling. Yeah. So let's see here. Um, Tech made a bowl game and that be, yeah, West Virginia made one, but I think they will again. K-State, Iowa State, Oklahoma, Baylor. Yeah. I mean, that's Tech's the only really option. They're really, or Iowa State. Or Iowa State, yeah, but I don't think they're going to miss a bowl game. I think that'd be kind of surprising, but who knows? They lose a lot from last year's team, so we'll see. Uh, ZT Smith, 423, do you think this year's defense could be the best of the last 10 years? Okay, I really need some context here. Are we talking ever right. in college football? There's the no last way 10 possible, years? no. If you're talking Baylor, no way. Who, even if you're talking Baylor, I don't know, because last year's defense was so good. <laughs> it was so good. Um, I think it could be. I think it very well could be, but I don't think it's going to be better than last year's, even though I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to be really, really good, but the secondary from last year's team is the thing that's kind of holding me back a little bit. I need to see a little bit more out of these young guys in the secondary and replacing guys like Bernard and Petrie and JT Woods. That, that's not easy. No, um, yeah, I think the secondary could ultimately end up... I mean, maybe a bit better at corner. Um, I mean, it's going to be hard to be better at safety, losing JT Woods. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the last 10 years, I, I think this has the chance to be a really good one. But, yeah, last year is just kind of hard to overlook. Right. I mean, it's a team that won a Big 12 title on the goal line. You yeah. know, like, I don't know that you line up this year and I'm all that confident in them being able to do that again. Like, man, that you look back on that team and just every play you look up and it's Petrie or it's Bernard or, it, you know, it's just, I mean, those guys are going to leave a hole. I don't care how much talent you got coming back. I will say, though, I do think this team will play with more leads than last year's team. Like, I yeah. think the offense will be better, and so maybe it allows them to create more turnovers or, or something along those lines. And there's a lot of talent on this team. It's just they were so solid last year. It was like every single game outside of the TCU game, they were just, I mean, so tough to move the ball against. And so... I don't know. I just I don't think it will be. And if you're talking NCAA of all time, they won't be the last. No. They won't be the best yeah. defense the last two years because last year's Georgia defense is <laughs> yeah up there. Yeah, there's no like 15 draft picks on this on this no. defense right now. So yeah, ZT, I think it could be in the argument potentially, but for right now, no, it's it's not uh, quite to that level. But it's got potential to be you know a conversation stir. That's that's for sure. Uh, just a bear in a frog world, or just a bear in frog world. How does the Baylor men's basketball coaching squad spend their time in the summer, and how much can we learn about the team from the tournament in Canada? Um, I'm currently enjoying Scott Drew's book. Well, let's answer that first part first. Uh, as far as uh, summer and how much can we learn about the team from the tournament in Canada? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of workouts right now. Yeah, it's, a lot of recruiting stuff yeah, and all that jazz. And refinement of, like, player development of individual games mm -hmm. like trying to get yourself better so that when the team all completely comes together you're you know you're better as a player right and so that's when they start getting into more the team concepts which they do some of that now but a lot of this is player development and as far as Canada goes you know based on everything I've heard you know kind of Ashley post it doesn't sound like they're gonna have much of a roster when they go to Canada sounds like a lot of their top guys aren't gonna be playing in that because they're either like rehabbing or getting themselves back to health so I think you're going to see a lot of Keontae George, uh, probably a lot of um, uh, D'Antoine Grimes, uh, Langston Love. 
potentially if he's back to 100%. So I just think, you know, I don't know that Adam Flagler or LJ Cryer will be playing. Everyday John will not be. Um, So I don't know that we'll learn a ton, but we will learn a lot about the depth of the roster. And we'll also get to see how guys have improved, like a Dale Bonner and, and individuals like that. Yeah, I do think it'll be good for for some of the newcomers to get their feet wet and kind of yeah. build some chemistry, like a Jalen Bridges. But yeah, I mean, and there's Boner, yeah, Caleb. yeah, him as well. Uh, so that that'll be positive, but probably not going to be able to maximize it the way you would have thought initially. When you know, if all things were equal and everybody was healthy, and you could like throw your full squad out there and really get that bonus time, that would have been great. I just think this this will still be beneficial, but just obviously not to the, the full extent that it could be if your team was all operating at 100% right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, it'll still be, you know, a positive for them. Uh, Just a Bear also said, I'm currently enjoying Scott Drew's book. What are your same favorite – some of your favorite sports biographies, books, few of my faves include Andre Agassi's bio, American Triumvirate on Hogan, Sneed, and Nelson, and Tony Dungy's books. A few fun ones include The Power of One as well as Seabiscuit. The new Tiger Woods bio is next on my list. Yeah, I've read a couple Tony Dungy books. Um, I like his. I actually read his personal um, – I don't even know how you say it, but it's like a journal, so it's daily readings. Mm. Um, and so he relates a lot of it back to sports. I, I really enjoy that um, from Tony Dungy. I've read Coach K's book. I really like that one. Uh, Drive, uh, which is on Larry Bird. Um, that was another really good book that I loved. But honestly, I, I don't read a ton of books anymore. I read a lot of you know websites and articles and things like that, which is kind of sad, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of where we are um, as a society. I, I definitely try to, to read. I just haven't done a lot of the sports reading here lately. I've done more of a, you know, wartime uh, reading or like World War One, World War Two stuff. Um, Decompress a little. Get away yeah, I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of, you know, there's some people who do something like what we do or they're in the media or whatever and they can't get enough of it. And then there's some people who are like me that I just kind of need to break from it every once in a while. So lately I've been one of those breaks. This is probably like the worst time to ask me about a sports <laughs> book. Um, but, you know, there's definitely a lot of good ones out there. I, I, I've enjoyed the stuff that I have read from Tony Dungy. I'm trying to think of the last one that I read, though, and I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering. Um, I think it was like a Texas high school football book, um, but it, it was a while ago. So, yeah, I, I don't have the best recommendations right now, um, but uh, I'm, I'm interested to, to kind of dabble with some of that um, upcoming but, yeah, not, not a lot of great recommendations at the moment. But uh, Grayson got you some right there. So thank you, Just a Bear. Uh, and thank you. You actually gave me some recommendations, you know, but potentially. with I, I didn't know about the um, uh, the Seabiscuit book, for example. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have thought to check that out. Um, but I was just thinking about that uh, Tiger Woods bio. I'm not sure if my dad has read that or not yet. I'm sure he would be interested in that. So thanks. Uh, three bears. I'm optimistic about this season overall, but that is mostly because of the staff we have. Can, can the running backs come close to the production of last year? Uh, will shape and have a speedy target or two can consistently get open. Those are my two biggest concerns. So how about I address the second one first, because I think that's the one you should be least concerned about. Um, and the reason for that is Monterey Baldwin. 
I, I think that he's going to be a nice, speedy, consistent target for this offense. I think he's going to fit that role really nicely and be a safety blanket for the offense and also be able to create yards after the catch. So I think everything will be fine there. If he doesn't pan out or things aren't working out for him, I think we've already seen in the past Gavin Holmes kind of have that role as well. Um, so, I mean, there are certain guys that I think can fill that slot mm -hmm. consistently get open role. As far as running backs go, 2,700 yards and 16 touchdowns is what they're replacing with Abram Smith and Tristan Ebner. Um, I think they can get their touchdowns wise. I don't know if they can get their rushing yardage wise, which is fine because I do think Blake Shapin will probably throw the ball a little bit more than they did this year. They'll probably have more explosive plays in the passing game as well. Um, but I, I think when you talk about Squirrel, Tay McWilliams, especially those two guys, I, I think they can put in the touchdowns for sure. I just realized, going back to the previous question real quick, I was reading some of Scott Drew's book. Oh, Duh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just completely lost. I was like, I know I'm reading something, <laughs> but yeah, just obviously not uh, not every night. I would remember it quicker. But yeah, Scott Drew's book, I recommend that. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that they can come close, but no, I wouldn't put them you know, yard for yard matching Abram. And, and company, and mostly Abram with yeah. with that. But, yeah, I do think that they can come close. And and I do think Shapin will have plenty of speed. And, uh, you know, the getting open part's a little bit more of a question mark, but they should have speed. Josh Cameron got put on scholarship. Uh, we saw that last week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not too concerned about that, but those are definitely the question marks. I mean, that's, that's very fair to have those concerns. Uh, so appreciate it, Three Bears. I'm I'm curious. Like I I would love to be able to tell you like for certain one way or the other. But man, I'm I'm kind of just as curious as y'all. Like I have the same concerns and the same wonders. But you know, until we see them back out there and get to talk to Dave Aranda a bit more, um, just gonna have to you know kind of see how it plays out. And and but I I do have faith that they aren't gonna go walking in the summer depleted at some position and not be feeling pretty good about what they've got coming up. Uh, Doc Crow with the rankings of the recruits we picked up over the weekend, plus who seems realistic at this time. Do you still see this class finishing top 25 in the nation? Well, right now they're 13th. Um, so, I mean, they're still in good position. They're going to have to land some higher-end guys. But, yeah, I, I, I still think it's very realistic that they finish inside the top 25. They're on pace right now. I know there's a lot of teams that don't have a ton of commits, uh, which is kind of allowing Baylor to stay up that high. And they won't stay that high. But I, I still think they'll be right around 25, 24, 26. Like right around there is where I think they'll end up. If you could steal one coach from any staff in the Bay 12 to join the football team, who would it be and why? Mm. Uh, I, don't, I, don't even, I don't even know that I have James one that would come in. <laughs> That would come in and replace. Uh, I, I don't even know if I'd want anyone to replace the guys that Baylor has on the coaching. Yeah, staff. I don't know about replacing, but if you could just add a guy, I mean, one like somebody like a Rashad Samples, maybe he you would know. be on my list. Brian Carrington, like somebody yeah. like that. Yeah, a, a recruiting guy would probably be be the route I would go because their coaches. I mean, I haven't seen anything that gives me any pause. No, and I mean, Bill Biedenbaugh would be the the top guy in my mind as far as an elite level coach who's just done it consistently. But I love Eric Mateos. Shoot, right. I'll go with the younger guy. I'll go yeah, with Mateos. I, I think their staff's pretty solid. But, yeah, if you could steal away one of the more recruiting apt guys, I mean, that never hurts. And, you know, the more the merrier. And as we see, there's about to be staffs with, like, 25 recruiting guys alone at, like, some of these big schools if they eliminate that coaching 
uh, limit. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. But, yeah, somebody like a Rashad Samples. Uh, will the transfer quarterback see any significant time? I mean, only if injury happens. If all hell breaks loose, you better hope he doesn't. Yeah, uh, I, don't I don't know, know about go that hope, far. but I yeah. I just think that that's not what you're hoping to see. Right, you're hoping Blake Shapin is healthy for every single yes. game. But I will say, though, if he does get hurt and it's between Kyron Drones and Luke Anthony, I think that it would be a little bit of a conversation. I mean, Luke Anthony's played a lot of football, a right. whole lot of football at the you know group of five level. He was newcomer of the year in Conference USA at Louisiana Tech. I, I just... I, I think he's proven a lot. Now, he's going to have to come in and learn a lot to catch up with Kyron, but experience-wise, you know, I think it would be a pretty big debate. But either way, that only happens if there's an injury to Blake Shapen. Yeah, and so I, that's why I'm hoping we don't have to see that. But, I mean, also at some point, you got to think, like, Kyron Drones needs to be the automatic answer when that gets asked. And yeah. that's what's kind of concerning is they're like, well, I don't know. It's like at some point, you kind of have to feel like he's the dude, but – um, we haven't seen him play. We a haven't lot. seen That's him play. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and quite frankly, don't really want to see him play because that means it's something happened to the starting quarterback. So, yeah, it's a uh, the it's, talent is there. It's just a matter of is he all the way there with the playbook? Is he all the way with there experience wise that you feel comfortable enough? You know, allowing him to go out there and show off the talent that we know he has, right. um, but can he do it mistake free and everything like that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's given Baylor's recent history, there's a good chance we'll figure out the answer to that question. Um, hope not. I hope not either. I uh, hope Blake Shapin has a full healthy year, and we only see those guys in mop up duty, you know, being able to throw touchdowns and blowouts. But you know, given history, that probably going to see the answer to that question, or very well could. I'll knock on wood, regardless. But yeah, at some point, you'd hope that that Cairo just would be your automatic answer there. Uh, all right, uh, Z Bears. Do you have any insight of the relationship between Aranda and Drew? They seem to have a lot in common in terms of approach, how they run meetings with staff, and Aranda's team unit, me, is similar to Drew's joy, and I doubt either would miss the chance to learn from one another. Thanks. I don't have a lot of insight into, like, how strong their relationship yeah. is. I think it's very, you know, friendly. Like, they definitely talk to each other, and there's definitely communication between the football team and the basketball team. So I, I think all of that is good. Do I think they hang out every day? No. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how close they are off the field, but I do know there's a good, uh, healthy amount of respect, and I do think there is a lot of, uh, you know, what each guy does, the other admires or respects. Um, so, but, you know, beyond that, just coach to coach, like peer to peer, um, that's as, you know, as good, I think, as you could probably get. But beyond that, I really don't know. I, I don't know too much to, to be able to say, like, do they go fishing or, yeah. you know, something <laughs> like that. But, I mean, in terms of – what we do know on the surface, uh, yeah, they're they're good, and they, they seem to match pretty well. Uh, why does Grayson, this brown bear, keep giving me hope with regard to Austin Novosad? This will inevitably lead to disappointment. JK, great job, guys. Well, I mean, I know. Everyone on the board has just been – this has just been such a hot topic for everyone talking about Austin. And, you know, I, I can only convey everything that I've heard and everything that I've gotten from talking to Austin and just the relationship I've built. And at the end of the day, I'm going to report it 
as fairly as I possibly can for both sides. And that's what I've been trying to do. But I know for some, it, it comes across as either sunshine pumping or being a Debbie Downer. And so there is no in-between, apparently. But yeah. uh, it's been a question I've gotten a ton over the last week. And I just, you know, continue to just try to give all the the right information that I can. Can only go with what you got. Yeah. And whether people want to believe that all the way or whatever. I mean, you can only pass along what you know yeah the one that i keep getting and that has just been so annoying over the last week is everyone keeps saying oh ohio state with the nil they they brought the bag or they they did this with nil for austin and i'm telling y'all right now austin is not making a decision based on nil he has not brought up nil once as a conversation starter he's had at any school nor has he brought it up in any conversation i have had with him that is just simply not a priority. That is not something that is going to lead him to make a decision. It's going to be relationships and best place that will allow him to flourish and become the best quarterback he can be. Well, Those are the two things. I'd believe it more, too, if it wasn't Ohio freaking State. Like, I mean, I know they use NIL, but they don't always have to use no, NIL. It's still don't. Ohio State. Like, they they can get a lot of guys that other teams have to use NIL for that they don't, like, right. if that makes sense. So, and, and maybe they'll give him an NIL deal. I'm just that's saying not going to be the deciding the factor. Yeah. That won't be the reason that he chooses Ohio State, I promise you. Yeah, that'll just be a cherry on top if he does. Um, so, yeah, Brown Bear, uh, he's just, you know, delivering. And I know you're saying just kidding anyways, yeah. but uh, just, you know. That was more addressing only, everyone. Yeah, can only pass along what we know, and then you take it for what it's worth and take it how you want. But um, just, you know, all you can do is pass along the information. And we'll – uh, finish up here with Bear Coog. Oh, we uh, actually have two more. There where? was one more that I think popped up a little bit later. Okay. Um, Bear Coog, real quick. Uh, let's close this bad boy on out. If you had to guess, which guy is the next one to commit to Baylor for the 23-24 class? Uh, ooh, I'll go with uh, one of the guys I talked about earlier. How about Clear Falls outside linebacker Corey Kelly? That just been in on him for a long time, built a great relationship. I, I think he could be the next one. All right, and finally, Bear Sack, in your opinion, what is the minimum BU football would have to accomplish this season to see increased success on the recruiting trail next season? Increased defined as higher offer to commit ratio and higher ranked players. Um, I mean, offer to commit ratio, that's that's not a good way to, to determine if you have increased success in my eyes. Um, but just better recruiting. Right, so bas ranks, basically yeah. everybody will see higher rankings. I mean, let's say that's yeah. what everybody wants, higher rankings, uh, you know, more four stars, more five stars. Yeah. What, what would have to be the bare minimum when to the accomplish? Big 12 again, but the bare minimum, I guess, minimum would be 10 wins. Um, but when the Big 12 again, you're going to continue to see great momentum on the recruiting trail. Win 10 wins, and, and you're showing that you're consistently going to be a 10-win program and a really good program contending for New Year's Six and college football playoffs. So I'd say 10-2, and 10-3, and three, that gets you there. That puts you another level? I think that, that I think that allows you to see some increased momentum because right now they're feasting off of the Big 12 championship and Sugar Bowl, but the problem is they're still having to combat 2020 in which they went 2-7. and seven. Right. So now you stack. Dave Aranda's a really fraud good. or whatever. Right, they just yeah. had one good year, whatever, wasn't their recruits, you know, that, that, yeah. that stuff that's being said. So now you put two straight years where you're putting double-digit wins on the table and you're clearly showing the momentum of the program and what Dave Rand has built, that would be huge for them, I think. All right. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and that would definitely, you know, solidify or, you know, try some of the 
the concrete, so to speak. It would solidify some things. Uh, if you saw back-to-back years like that, there wouldn't be a lot of, oh, well, it was only year two, and it's only because of all the seniors they had. And, you know, I've seen some of that garbage. It's just dumb. But, um, you know, I think you're right. That that type of a season to follow up last year would, would definitely raise the stakes a bit. So thanks, Bear. Sack for uh, closing this mailbag on out. And uh, thanks to everybody else who as well who asked questions. Thanks to Garrett and Jack behind the scenes. Uh, Grayson, uh, before we go, anything to pass along, promote as far as coverage this weekend or, or anything on the site? No, I mean, just, again, if you're not a premium subscriber, everything that we talk about on this podcast is somewhere on the board already and stuff that we've talked about. So if you like getting inside information, you like learning more about what's going on on the recruiting trail, in the football program, in the basketball program, really in many, many sports, um, you know, we cover it all. I mean, Jack's got soccer. We're, We're ready for that. We're ready for tennis. Um, and then, of course, the radio side of things. Y'all cover a whole bunch of uh, college football topics. You have great guests on. A lot of people that talk about the Big 12 and also talk about Baylor as well. So we have a lot of good things going. So, yeah, if you're not a premium subscriber, I really suggest you do that. And if you are, then definitely check out um, 365 Sports Radio every single day, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6. All right, so that'll do it for us. Do appreciate everybody for listening as always. And, uh Big recruiting weekend upcoming, just like there was one last weekend, and obviously a couple new commits coming out of that. We'll see uh, what the stakes are coming out of this weekend, but do appreciate you. As always, thanks again to Garrett and Jack behind the scenes. And for Grayson, I'm Craig Smoke. We'll talk to you next week. This has been the BearCast on Sickham 365.